My name's Caleb, if we haven't met, and um, today is a pretty cool day. Not only is it the day that we're officially opening um, our Gilston location, which Dan already mentioned this, but thanks to you. Um, we, ha- we own that building, well, the bank owns a lot of it, but we- our name's on the title, which is pretty cool. Um, but we wouldn't have been able to do that without your generosity. Majority of the money for that building came from Ormo here, came from you. And that's an incredible thing that you would, you may never walk in that room, you may never attend church there, but thank you. So yeah, put your hands together. Thank you, guys. Um, Kim and I really love the opportunity too, because we weren't here, we didn't get to sell into this building, but we got to sell into that one, and I think that's really cool. That's really cool. And if you saw in the photos, that was our mayor, the Honourable um, Tom Tate, that was cutting the ribbon with Pastor Byron and Anne, and also Pastor David and Claire, our location pastors down there. So it's a pretty monumental day in Highway's history. Um, but today also is Palm Sunday. Um, Palm Sunday sort of talked about sometimes, skipped others, and sometimes it's kind of a bit glazed over, but I actually think it's a great day um, in our Christian calendar. I've obviously worn my Palm shirt. <laughs> Sarah's waiting for that. She's like looking at my shirt going, oh, I see what's happening here. I dressed for the occasion. Who else? Did anyone else? No, okay, just me. Cool, thank you. Oh, I see, no. I grew up and I went to a Catholic high school and leading up to Easter, if you know a bit about how the Catholics celebrate Easter, they they do this season of Lent and then they really focus, Palm Sunday is a huge day and I actually think it's a great day to celebrate as Christians. Palm Sunday talks about the day when Jesus rode in on the donkey and his colt into Jerusalem and and the people had been waiting for their Messiah, they'd been waiting for their Saviour, they'd been waiting for their King and Jesus rolled in and the people lay their clothes, they lay their garments, they laid palm leaves or branches down and and, uh, Jesus on the donkey rolled in into Jerusalem and it's a really, really great, great moment in history. Growing up, I didn't really think about Palm Sunday. I thought Palm Sunday was the weekly trip with my dad to the Green Waste. I sort of lived in central Queensland and north Queensland, and especially in Mackay there, he had about 30 or 40 palm trees, and who's got some of those in the backyard? It's like relentless palm fronds everywhere. So every Sunday was Palm Sunday for me when I lived at home. How good's that? But I lived to tell the story, so that's good. Matthew, this is in all four Gospels recount story, and I'm going to read from Matthew 21, and the title is The Triumphal Entry. This, this is so intriguing. Before I read it, you've you got to understand how important this, this history, this event in history is, because their promised king, the Messiah, Jesus, is coming in, but it wasn't like they thought. Is that not true of us, too? That, you know, we, we, we pray to God, we ask God, we seek God, and, but a lot of the times in our situation, He's there, but sometimes not the way we thought. Have you experienced that? I have over life, it's like, yeah, God, I'm, I've got big faith for this. I know the youth is doing a, a series at the moment called Ask Big, and it's like, when you're young, yeah, I'm asking big of this, and I'm doing this for God, and then years down the track, you're like, yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> God, I think you're around somewhere, like... You come through, but not the way I thought. This morning, we can take hope knowing that he's in our situation, no matter what it looks like right now. He's in, and he wants to work through us. So you ready to get started? Reading from Matthew 21, verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus spoke to two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. 
Verse 3, and if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send you. Can I just stop there for a moment? Sometimes I feel like we need to run in commentary on reading the Bible. This is not okay just to steal anything and say the Lord needs it through me, okay? Just on a side note. Um, It's not okay to take things and blame God for it. Um, Let's read on. Verse 4, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, This is really key too, that Jesus was fulfilling the prophecies about himself. Pretty cool that he was fulfilling scripture in this moment. Verse 5, this actually ties to Zechariah 9.9, but verse 5 of Matthew 21 says, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus had commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, this is cool too because this is another reference to Old Testament scripture. Um, This is found in Psalm 118, but it says there, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the Palm Sunday moment. This is it. The king coming to Jerusalem, but not as they expected. This message is called Palm Sunday, but it's also called Palm Sunday, a reminder. I've got three things that Palm Sunday is a reminder to us now in our lives today in 2019. Number one, Palm Sunday is a reminder. Actually, are you ready for point number one? No, you're not ready. Are you ready? Oh, just checking. Palm Sunday is a reminder, Scripture is better lived than observed. Scripture is better lived than observed. I love in this passage how the disciples got to be a part of what Jesus was doing. That they got to lead the donkey and the colt. They got to be a part. They got to be sent by Jesus and they got to do what his plan was in the moment then. I don't think that's just an obscure thing for them then, that they would do the will of God, but I think it's something that we need to do now, that we would fulfill Scripture in what we are doing today. Jesus was fulfilling prophetic Scripture about himself, but could this be our role today? Could this be our mandate today? Could this be our calling today that we would fulfill Scripture here and now? Scripture's better lived than observed. We can can come to church and we can hear a message or we can go home and we can read our Bible and and that's great, but the the power of the Word of God isn't in the reading, it's in the application. For example, it's like deodorant or cologne or perfume, like you can have all the best things, but unless you put it on, you're not going to smell great. That could be the reason why no one's sitting next to you this morning. No, that's a joke. The power is in the application. That the scripture's not just there so that we can reflect and we can go, what a great moment in history, although that's great. No, it's to go, okay, what, what a great moment in history. God, what are you teaching me? How can I be a part of this going forward? How can I be your disciple today? How can I bring heaven to earth? How can I be a part of what you're doing today? There's so many scriptures that I love and some of them that, that I find challenging when I start to talk about 
how scripture is better lived than observed are scriptures like Matthew 10, 8. How's this one? Try this on for size. Jesus is sending out his disciples and he says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. Do you know we could be a part of that? That that scripture could be lived and, and applied through us, that our world could be better because of us. Matthew 28, Dan was talking about this before around communion, 28, 18 and 19. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and sleep in church. Awesome. (laughs) No, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. At the 8.30 service in the, this morning, right where Chris Logan is sitting right now, was my friend Chris. And my mate Chris, it was great to have him. He's visiting another Chris in the, in the Chris seat. It's very Christian, isn't it? And, um, but Chris was just a friend that I invited to youth ministry when I was in high school. In grade 11, I invited him to youth ministry. He put his hand up <laughs> in the service. We prayed a prayer together. I pushed him down the front. Um, and then he started this journey where he got to know more about God. And now Chris, my friend who was in the service, in the 8.30 service this morning, is the campus pastor of that same church that I bring him to youth ministry on some 15 years ago. Like, this is the gospel at work. We get to be a part of this. Like, some people think, I wouldn't use you now, Caleb. You didn't know me 15 years ago. Like, there is no way I would have chosen me 15 years ago. I don't know if I'd choose me now. Do you feel like that sometimes? It's like, God, you're calling me to so much. I'm not good enough. I don't have it all together. I don't know enough. Can I encourage you? Neither do I. Neither do I. I'm just so stoked. I'm excited that God would choose me. And I invited Chris. And now he's living in these days. And it's like, my mind is blown. He's got a great Christian wife. He's got a little daughter. His brother, his, his younger brother and his older sister are both Christians now, both involved in church and just love God. And it's, it's amazing, but it's through one simple act of obedience saying, hey, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone here, but I've got youth this Friday. Could you possibly, like, would you want to come? You know, <laughs> really? Can I encourage us? The world wants to know our Savior. People want to know God, but maybe not the way they thought. I love that Jesus works different to the way we think. What about this scripture? How are we going about applying this one? Philippians 2, 10 to 11. I love this scripture. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I can't wait. I desire to see this. I want the world to be blessed like I am through my relationship with Jesus. I want people to know him, do you? I want to lay a platform. I want to be there laying the palm leaves down, laying, putting my jumper on the ground, whatever these. I want to lay a platform for Jesus to move into our world. Do you? Scripture's better lived than observed. See, Jesus was bringing about a new kingdom. This was so different. This was so countercultural to the people there. You see, they, they were waiting for their Messiah, but, but they were waiting for a picture that was different than the one they were seeing in front of them. 
they're waiting for this triumphant, I don't know, I kind of see like, in those movies, like 300 or something, I kind of like see like this, you know, super muscly ripped guy riding on this horse with a sword and taking it by force, but it wasn't what they expected. They found that their saviour came humbly, in peace, right on a donkey. You see, the horse was this, you know, horse and chariot were these symbols of war. They were these symbols of the Roman Empire. But Jesus was coming and said, hey, no, not in my kingdom. My kingdom is not one taken by force. It's not one that's, you know, with, with power and might where the strong oppress the weak, but it's one that we walk in humility and we conquer through peace and love. This is why he said, the last shall be first and the first will be last. He came to serve, not to be served. Jesus was so different to what they were expecting. Matthew 20, 25 to 26 says this, but Jesus called them to himself and said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over the people and those who are great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be among you. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Jesus practiced what he preached. In this moment, he revealed himself as the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace walking into Jerusalem with peace. What about you? How are we going to fulfill Scripture in our lives? How are we going to be a part of what he's doing today? Maybe for us, that's a cup of tea with our neighbor. Maybe for us, it's mowing the front lawn of that person beside us because it's just going to start a conversation in a way in. What, what does it look like for you? Maybe it's something so practical and so simple as inviting a friend like I did. What is it to you to be a part of his scripture today? Number two, are you ready? We've really got to get better at that, eh? <laughs> Number two, are you ready? Yes. Palm Sunday is a reminder that worship demands action. See, sometimes we call this worship moment in the service, you know the moment, like we just had then, and it was awesome. But that's just a one picture and one small part of what worship is. Do you understand? Because otherwise, our experience of worship, we would need like a haze so we can, you know, get the lights like in the room. We would need Robbie doing the Robbie roll at the big moment. I call it the Robbie roll lovingly. You know the Robbie roll? No, you know what I'm talking about? Robbie, our keyboardist. You know, when the worship's great, you'll know because he'll go the big, you know what I mean? Sorry, that probably wasn't good sound effects. Kelsey knows what I'm talking about. Kelsey James, don't you, Kelsey? Thank you. The big Robbie roll in that moment, it's iconic. Everyone's got their hands raised. That's just a picture. That's just one small part of what worship is. But worship is so much more than that. And worship demands action. We can't just worship God for 10 minutes and go, awesome, I'm done. Thank you. That was great worship. I'm going to go home and live my life now. Thank you. No, no, no. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a response to the goodness of God in our lives. And it's something that we need to be doing daily. I'm not talking about putting on a CD. I'm talking about doing what the people did in the triumphant entry that the people did on Palm Sunday. They did two things. They made room was the first thing they did. They made room. Jesus riding on donkey and the people, the multitude are there, the Bible says, but they made room. They made a pathway for Jesus in their world. How are we going at that? True worship is making room for God to move into our world. They would say, hey, God, I want you to touch these people. God, I'm going to get out of the way here so that you can move in their lives. God, I'm going to step aside so that you can move into my workplace. I'm going to step aside so that you can move in my life and in my world. The second thing they did was they laid things down. And I'm not talking about, this is not a, 
sacrifice everything for the kingdom because I feel like that message had its day, to be honest. Seriously, like, I feel like it's done. <laughs> I hear sad stories of people that have, you know, had theologies like, you know, I'm just looking after the kingdom and he'll look after my family. No, you're supposed to love your wife. You're supposed to love your kids. Your first responsibility is to your home. It's to your wife if you're married, absolutely. Side note, I'll just get a bit sidetracked there. But there's things that I've noticed that, I'm, that I had to lay down along the way. Let me, let me give you a few. Like unbelief. Like my insecurities and my inferiorities, like I was talking about before. Like my righteous anger, which was never right in the first place. Like my unforgiveness. Bad attitudes. My, and, and my small thinking, you know, my thinking that God has to move like this, which is what these people were challenged with in this moment, you know, that this thinking that, okay, if, if this is God, if it's just in these parameters, if it just looks like this, if it feels like this, then it must be God. And, and laying down that and saying, no, actually, God, I believe you're bigger than all that. I believe you're bigger than the box I put you in. I believe you're bigger than the parameters of my thinking, because if God is God, he's bigger than we can imagine. He's bigger than we can ever truly experience or know or articulate. We need to lay down our small thinking to make this pathway for God to come into our world so that the king can walk in on the platform that we lay with our lives. Our job is to lay our lives down as a platform for him to be elevated. I love as the people make room for God and they lay things down, it, it begs a question. In verse 10, the people ask, who is this? It says the multitude are there and that they ask, who is this? People are making room for him. They're worshiping him. They're laying things down for him. This, is, this must be a really important guy. And they're like, who is this? You see, I believe that when we create room and when we lay things down for him, it begs the question, who is this? When we live a life for God, it begs the question, who is this? Can I encourage you? Don't shy away from those faith opportunities where you're talking to that work colleague and they're like, oh, my elbow's been so sore lately. I think I've got tennis elbow, which I do. I couldn't think of anything else. And, and, yet, and yet the Holy Spirit's prompting you going, you should pray, Caleb, you should pray for that person. And you're there going, no, that mustn't be you, God, because that would be embarrassing. No, no, can I encourage us? Rise to the challenge. Go, hey, when someone's there and they're like, my marriage isn't great, can, can I encourage you? I'm not there, but you are. Pastor Byron's not going to instantly, magically appear on intercom and go, okay, okay, Tina, it's time to pray for him now. This is week. No, no, no. I believe that we have the Holy Spirit inside us. That when we're given this opportunity, that we can go boldly, that we can go, yeah, come on. As you're saying that, I just had this feeling that, you know, that that the God that I sort of live for and I worship, he, he wants to do something in your life. I know this might sound weird to you now, but would you mind if I prayed for that situation? Would you mind if I prayed for your relationship? Would you mind if I prayed for your business or your arm or your elbow, whatever's going on? Could we be people that would step out in faith? And because that's the kind of lifestyle that begs the question, who is this? What's different about them? Why are they happy? And I'm not. And I'm going through the same thing as they are. I'm in the cubicle beside them at work. I drive the same car, I live in the same suburb. Why are they happy? What's this joy that they have? Number three, are you ready? 
I really thought this would have been better. Third, I thought third time was supposed to be lucky. Isn't that the same? Third time lucky? <laughs> Palm Sunday is a reminder. Number three, Jesus is Lord. It's a reminder that Jesus is Lord. These people were waiting for their promised king. Seriously, Zechariah wrote about this, this scripture that I said was a quote from Matthew 21, some 500 years before it's unfolding in their eyes. This was it. It was being prophesied. They were waiting for this moment. They were waiting for this Messiah. They were waiting for their promised king, and he comes in. But it wasn't like they thought. And I feel like the, this story, the Palm Sunday historical event here that I've been talking about, in verse 11, the whole thing takes a weird turn that I don't really like. It's great, like they're, they're worshipping, they're laying things down, they're making room, they're stealing donkeys. The story is unreal. It's like it's a really, really cool story. Until the multitude asks, the, 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 multitudes, the, the other people ask the people there that are worshipping God saying, oh, this is exciting. This is so exciting. Who is this guy? Their response saddens me. Their response isn't great. I hope this is not the response that we have. They say this in verse 11. Are you ready? They say, turn the page for dramatic response. <laughs> so the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. Really? Wait a minute. You're waiting for your promised king? You're waiting for the savior of the world, the one in the lineage of David? You're waiting for the Messiah? You've just been fulfilling all this testimony. You're quoting Psalm 118 here in our presence. That, that, that's what he was referring to. You're quoting this. You're fulfilling scripture. He's riding the donkey. And he's just a prophet? No, he's not just a prophet. This is the trap of society today, that we would dumb down what Jesus is. Oh, he was just a peaceful one, and we can all apply his teaching. That, although that's good, that's not really who he is. Jesus is more than a flip. That's a really hard word to say. More than a philanthropist. What's that word? Philanthropist. He's more than just a great philanthropist that did good with what he had. He is so much more than that. He's so much more than just a prophet from Nazareth. You see, in their context, a prophet wasn't something out there or a new idea. No, no, their time was filled with prophets. Look at your Bible. Filled with major prophets. Filled with minor prophets. He was just another one of the prophets. No, he's not just another man. He's God. And his Lord, he's the Messiah, he's the one that we've been waiting for. And if your life is like mine, you've experienced him at some stage, and it will never be the same again. He is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. He moves cities like it did in this scripture. And it begs the question that is he just another prophet or is he Lord? My argument is he's Lord. And if he's Lord, what are we doing with that? <laughs> it's, one, it's a great thing to say, yeah, yeah, Jesus is Lord, yep. I understand that, Jesus, Lord. Amen, amen, brother. And then walk away the same? No, no, if he's Lord, it changes the way I walk. If, he, if he's Lord, it changes the way that I live. It changes the way that I see my world. It changes the way that I see his creation. It changes the way that I see the people that he made. It changes everything. If he's Lord, it changes a lot. This whole scenario of what what the people say is, reminds me of earlier on in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 16. Maybe you're familiar with this. In Matthew 16 verse 13, 
It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Does this sound familiar? Verse 14, so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Literally, like we're talking chapters on in, the, in Matthew's account of the gospel, they still think he's one of the prophets. And they say, that's who the people think you are, Jesus. But then Jesus said, he said, this is really cool. Verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Also, I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hate shall not prevail against it and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven is he just a prophet is he just some great guy from the pages of history is he just someone that can divide us so we don't get confused talking about too many years back so we can start and we can say you know before Christ or after Christ is that all he is He's my Lord. He's my Savior. Like Peter's response here, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Palm Sunday to me is a reminder that Jesus is Lord. And not just the Lord out there, but he's, he's my Lord. Can I pray with you? God, I just lift up your church this morning. God, I just pray, Lord, that as we're talking about you, and we're talking about your son, Jesus, I just pray that you would reveal yourself to us so fresh, so new, and so relevant daily. God, I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't become too familiar with who you are, that you wouldn't just be an add-on to our life or a bonus extra, but God, you would be our life. God, we just give you authority again to operate in our lives. God, I ask, Lord, that you would just give us faith steps to take, that you would be there with us, so that you would give us the words to say and the place to say it. God, I pray that we would be like the disciples in this story that get to be a part of what you're doing in this world. God, I pray, Lord, that we would make room and we would lay things down to create a platform for you to affect our nation and our world, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Dan, why don't you come, my friend?